0: Hi guys, Kid Wilcox here. Welcome to the Primitive Podcast. Thank you for checking in on this week's episode. We're going to feature an episode we did a while back with Coach Steve Gomez. We thought it'd be exciting to revisit this one given his recent national championship and the Lady Chaps going undefeated. I listened to it again when that happened just to relearn from it and was reminded just how awesome he is and how great of a leader it is. So we wanted to feature him again. Thank you, as always, for listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, We'll have a brand-new episode next week, and we really appreciate you uh, listening uh, each week and sharing with your friends. Thanks for your support.
1: A team may want to see a player when they're playing great. I want to see a player when they're not playing good. How does that player respond when they've fouled two times and shot an air ball and then have to come out of the game? What are they going to look like on the bench? Are they going to pout? put a towel over their head, look up in the stands and complain to their parents. I want to see a kid struggle because we need to learn to handle struggles because life is a struggle.
0: I really appreciate you, you know, joining us, Coach Gomez. Of course, um, you know, I've known you for a really long time, since the 90s. All my friends and I, you know, went to your basketball camps growing up and always really admired you. So to kind of watch your, you know, career the last 10 or 15 years and you know, then my even my little sister getting to play for you is real really special. So thanks for taking the time to, to join us today. I, mean, I think most of the people listening to the podcast will certainly you know know who you are, but, but why don't you tell us about your background, where you grew up, what got you into basketball and a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah, such a providential journey, everything we do in life, I guess, the the twists and turns. You know, growing up, my dad was in the Air Force, so I was all over the world, born in Indiana, uh, lived in New Mexico. I grew up some of my elementary years in Germany, so spent three years in Germany, and then came back to the States, sort of settled in the Arlington, Texas area. My dad retired, and so went to Arlington High, had a great youth growing up. Always figuring, go to college, come back to the Metroplex, but had a chance to go to LCU, love at Christian University, Play basketball, a lot of great relationships. Ended up meeting my eventual wife there, and so graduated from college, with a math degree, not expecting, even wanting to coach, but not really having a coaching job coming out of out of college. Fortunately, the connections, you know, so much in life is, is you know, who do you know? Uh, what are the paths that cross? And so, Vic Self was a coach at Monterey, and uh, it was late in the summer, right before I was going to start a job teaching math in Leveland. I was just going to be a math teacher in Leveland. Uh So they had hired me. Uh, Monterey had a coaching transition late in the summer, and so Vic Self. Being an LCU grad himself, I was looking for an assistant coach late in the year, so really it was an emergency. It wasn't like he was <laughs> hunting me out. It was one of those, again, providential moments where uh, I didn't even expect to have that job. So right three or four weeks before school was to start, had a chance to get a, a job a, a coaching basketball at Monterey, uh, assistant coach. And uh, so took that, and that started a great relationship and opportunity to, to learn from him over those first eight years uh, of coaching high school boys. Uh, and then moving on to having a chance to coach at Cooper High School for seven years of uh, uh, seven more years of high school boys, and then strangely enough had a chance to go to LCU, and so and that's sort of another story. But yeah, uh, sort of my background is there. My dad uh, wasn't a huge influence. He came from Puerto Rico in his teen years, uh, just looking for a better life, I had some relatives. So, you know, he sort of ended up joining the military. That's how that started. My, my mom, her parents are from Germany. So I'm sort of a, all kinds of cultural backgrounds That's and cool. uh, I have an older brother and an older sister. My older brother is a counselor. Uh, he does anger management counseling, substance abuse counseling in my my sister's the piano teacher also the wife of a pastor here in town at the church we attend.
0: That's awesome. And uh,
1: yeah, but just such great influences my my older brother, my older sister, my dad, and my mom.
0: That's cool. I didn't I didn't know you spent any time in Indiana, so there there's some basketball roots there. Um, and then I had no idea that, you know, you were going to become a math teacher when coach uh, self recruited you to come coach. Now does coach coaches with you now, right? So you guys have been together a long time.
1: Yeah, really a full circle of, of eight years in, in, uh, of high school coaching together as, and him as the head coach. And then he retired from basketball and from teaching at, at Monterey High School. And he came to me one summer just to ate lunch together, and he just brought up, well, would it be all right if I like came around and – sort of volunteered to help you coach. And I thought, what a stupid question. I mean, (laughs) the guy who really gave me my start and taught me so much asking, almost apologetically asking for an opportunity, I said, that would be awesome. Uh, And at the same time, realizing we didn't have a position, but he was just wanting to volunteer. So I'm getting some of the best help I could ever have for free. Now you're not even paying the schools, not employing him, Uh, but that obviously then worked into a full-time position. But, uh, yeah, what a great opportunity to the last nine years now at LCU for us to have spent the time together. So, you know, over half of my coaching career, we've been able to work together.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. So let's, let's talk a little bit about leadership. So when you think of, you know, your team, your players, your coaches, and you know, you're really leading that organization. And so when you think of, of leadership, what, what do you view your role as a leader for your team as? Like when you think of yourself, what do you, you know, what, what, what do you think of?
1: Well, I think the first thing is, and it's sort of a paradox. One of my most important leadership principles that I have, that I even tell our players, is that you're not that important, and that may sound terrible. It's not a very good motivational speech, uh, but every recruit we have, uh, I mean, I'll tell that player, hey, just, no, you're not that big a deal. You know, we don't have to have you. And even as a leader myself, I need to realize I'm not, I'm not that important. I'm not that big a deal. I need to to find a way. How can I help the people that are really getting it done you know i want to get out of the way find great people find a Vic Sel, find a casey wilson who are my assistants you know to find players like you know like your sister like ali schulte now like maddie chitzy these players that know how to play and empower them to play mm-hmm. so i think a lot of my role is is getting out of the way and empowering uh building up encouraging uh you know we we try to just to live on not finding mistakes but trying to find them do it right and encourage that so i think a lot of it's encouragement Uh, And just creating an environment where positivity can take root as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to hard hand everything or or trying to to be the final say in every decision. Find great people and let them flourish. Mm,
0: That's really good. When you think about uh, something you just said about, you know, telling players, you know, you're not that important and even really viewing your own role in the same way. How does that play in the 21st century? You know where where a lot of kids these days you know are kind of the center of their world. They're the center of their parents' world. They're the center of their high school basketballs teams' world. So how does that how does that look in, in in like during during this kind of cultural moment?
1: Well, that's I mean that's so perceptive because you understand that that everybody is trying to promote themselves. I mean the selfie, the tweets, every you know all that stuff, and we want to understand really you're not that big a deal, we're not going to promote you, we're not going to, uh, I'm not going to be posting on you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, uh, all your awards and accolades. Uh, you know, It's about a team and if you can lose yourself in something bigger, you're going to find some joy, but sooner or later you're not going to be important anymore. I mean if all you're putting your stock on is my current stats, my current status on a team, and so if a kid comes from a high school that explains all the time scores all the time and they come here and they're gonna they gotta know you're gonna probably sit the bench for a while uh, there's gonna be a time where you need to learn to cheer for your teammates uh, i think there's a a strange term i'd heard a while back it's called mudita it's about the vicariously living joyfully through other people's success and not having to experience it yourself but finding a way to enjoy someone else's good and so but these days that's really rare and so what we're we're, we're trying to do uh, LCU, at least in our program, it it may be very countercultural, but I think people have a hunger for that. I I think deep down we want to be sacrificial. We want to have someone discipline us. We want to have someone, we want to find something bigger than ourselves. Everybody has that want, they just don't know how to find it. And these days it's not promoted at all. Mm But we're not going to give into that.
0: I'm curious if you figure that out about a, about a student athlete, about a kid early in the process of recruiting. I mean, is that something that you literally are looking for throughout the recruiting process?
1: Certainly. And so much, a lot of times, a team might want to see a player, man, when they're playing great. I want to see a player when they're not playing good. Uh, now how does that player respond when they've fouled two times and shot an air ball and then have to come out of the game? What are they going to look like on the bench? Are they going to pout and put a towel over their head, uh, look up in the stands and complain to their parents? You know, I want to see a kid struggle because we need to learn to handle struggles mm. because life is a struggle. Yeah. And if all they think is, you know, when it's going good, sure, everybody's going to be happy. But some of that comes down to finding families such as your own <laughs> who who know, you know how to live well and not just athlete well and not just be a sports-minded person but you know we we talk about we recruit to a culture not to a position we recruit to a an environment uh, a spiritual environment not just a athletic environment so uh, for us that's vital Uh, it really is uh, to find kids early on and get to know them soon enough so we're not late in the process and just trying to pick a good player.
0: That's really good. You mentioned culture, and uh, culture is kind of a buzzword. I mean, every organization talks about culture and leadership gurus and podcasts about culture. But what does culture mean to Coach Gomez? And and you know how do you how do you cultivate or nurture that culture within your program?
1: Yeah, I think I've sort of over the last year and a half, two years, almost come to a point. Uh, even in some talks I've given of, of reaching this realization that community conquers culture. Uh, so I think even more so than what we want our culture to be is a, a community because a community is going to far outweigh even a culture. You look at like the early church, how early Christians, they conquered a culture that was anti-God, anti, uh, uh, anti-attracted to their beliefs. Right. But by the way they lived together, you know, even the early people said, well, see how they love each other. And that love for each other just transformed the world. Hmm. And so, even for us, we want to have a, a culture of competitiveness, of excellence in the classroom, of, you know, a culture of doing our best, serving the community. But we want a culture that cultivates relationship because, you know, a community where people learn to buy into, again, like we talked about earlier, into someone else, and to where you can just lose yourself in something. And so, that community part of it uh, I think is really what we're missing and I think all of us hunger for it and these days with the 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 value that social media can give us it also at times can disconnect us but there's everything can be used for good and evil and obviously y'all are using it for great and so that's a wonderful thing but we we want our team to be really communal
0: yeah That's that's a really powerful thing. I mean, you you can read these statistics all over the place, but we're the most connected society, but we're also the most loneliest society, Mm. which sounds just crazy, right? Because all of us feel connected. And so what you share about community and in the sense of being a part of something, um, you know, it makes sense. And it's a powerful thing. I mean, you've had some really bad years as a coach um, and you've had some really good years as in like perfect years, right? Where you, you go undefeated and you win national titles and you've won two of the last three. Is that right? Uh, um, the last four. Two of the right? last four. Mm-hmm. So you've won multiple national championships. What, what do you... Um, what do you see as real differentiators between kind of winning and losing? Like, is it you know the number of you know athletes you have? Is it a team coming around some of your values in the sense of community? You know more so than others. I mean, what what what? I mean, what, what kinds of things would you notice uh, in in both success and failure? I think uh, one thing I want to make sure that every team we
1: have, I want to have a team not only that I can win with. I think it's vital that you have a team that you can lose with. Uh, If you have a group of players that if you lose it's going to be a struggle, then that's not the right group of people. And so even the end result of, and we can talk later probably about success and what that really looks like, but for us, I want to have a team that I can lose with and be at peace. And so some of the things that will determine those, man, those fortunate breaks that happen through a season, there's just a lot of little decisions that are made. You know, it's just so many small decisions day to day that we make that determine what's the result. And so in a, obviously in a basketball game, it's those teams that value at a high, take a high price of the small things, passing to an outside hand against pressure defense, squaring up to the basket, you know, ball faking, and not just getting out of control. You know, so much in, in life, when we get out of control,
0: it's a little thing. bad
1: things happen. Yeah. And on the court, I don't think we've ever had a player, you know, I've never seen a coach after a game say, you know, our players were just too in control that game. We need to be more out of control. And so the mental, you know, the mental part of it being in control, the physical part being in control, the emotional, you know, we talk a lot about, hey, we want to play with emotion, not on emotion. We want you to be emotional playing, but that's not what fuels your decision-making where we don't get foggy. And so I think the teams that have succeeded at the highest level for us are those that are mentally just stable. And they're not necessarily robots, but they are. They keep a clear head uh, because that's when the bad decisions in life and in sports happen.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Um, how do you approach your own personal growth? I, I'm, I'm kind of curious on multiple levels. One, how do you hold yourself accountable to growing? You know, when you're the one leading the ship um, as the head coach and, and the leader of the program, how do you develop your own personal growth and hold yourself accountable to continual growth and then, too, I'm I'm just curious, like what what motivates you? I mean, you've you've been coaching for 30 plus years. You won multiple national championships. Even even you know had tremendous success even beyond the national championship games. And so, what continues to kind of motivate you to to engage in coaching and kind of the drive that 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 kind of like moves you forward in your yeah. career? Uh,
1: just for our team, for for years, we've tried to take the mantra, and me personally, of. Uh, you know, that year, one year we went 35 and 0, but I've told many times, I say, you know, we didn't go 35 and 0. We went 1 and 0 35 times. Mm-hmm. So we, we went 1 and 0. And so to take things a little bit at a time and just say, today, let's, let's win the present. Let's win the day in practice. Let's just win today. And let's not worry about the game Friday, the game Saturday, whatever's coming. For me personally, too, obviously you want to look to the future, of what you want to become. But we can't we can't live down the road. I just think living today I just want to enjoy the day. I mean life is fun. I want to have, you know laugh, enjoy it, get work hard. Uh, I think sometimes we can uh, not work hard enough and then sometimes we need to you know just don't do it. We need to, we need to know when to rest hard, when to work hard, you know finding those balances uh, and again not putting too much you know, emphasis on you know, what's my accomplishment I just want to find a way to serve today if I'm not doing the little things at work uh, as being the leader if I'm not willing to pick up the water bottles or be the first there to get the balls out and set the clock or you know sweep the floor or whatever uh, then Mm -hmm. I'm not getting much done because there's something about delegation at times but when you become at a point where that's beyond me that's a dangerous place to be Mm -hmm. and I don't I don't ever want to get to where I think oh that's someone else's responsibility to do. Uh, I want to be willing to do whatever it takes and so every day there's some challenge and life's an adventure It's fun. Uh, and working with college athletes, you know there's always some new adventure because right. especially females they're nuts. No, I'm <laughs> joking. No, they're awesome.
0: <laughs> you do remember this is being recorded, right? No, oh, I love
1: it. You know but, but I mean I've said for years and years that uh, I've figured out that you know females in order to play good they need to feel good. Males they need to Play good to feel good I think our girls need to feel good about what they're doing then they'll play good mm-hmm. there's a difference there yeah, just that male female psyche and so mm-hmm. anyway That's there's something about that
0: it's <clears throat> good insight um you mentioned balance I'm, I'm curious you know it's hyper-competitive programs are becoming more competitive you know by the day um, you know just recruiting is competitive you know winning you know takes a lot of effort there's there's someone out there putting in the effort putting in the time and so I, I would assume that that creates a sense of urgency. So how do you personally, on a personal level, kind of balance it all with family and faith and, and your, your kids um, and their growing families? I mean, how do you uh, balance it? And when you're not in balance, what do you practically do to bring yourself kind of back to the middle?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and even in a, as a believer, you know, a Christian in a Christian school environment, it, sometimes we could take that as a way to, well, you know, winning success isn't that important or you almost we almost make our faith an excuse for mediocrity at times I think Christians can well we don't we shouldn't be working so hard at this I think God's called us to excellence whatever it is we're doing and so I think we need to fully invest in to, to succeed at the, the level that we can you know I guess I read this in a book success is doing the best you can with what you have where you are and so for me we need to if I'm not doing that then I need to figure out what more do I need to do? Uh, how can I work harder? And not necessarily at the sacrifice of what's most important to me, uh, but in order to honor God with what he's given us. And so for us, like a national champion, is, championship doesn't necessarily mean that was a successful year. Some teams to win 10 or 12 games was an awesome year. You know, some year, sometimes a team might not succeed at a level or another, but they got the most out of themselves. And so for me, uh, there's too many underachievers around. I just think there's too many people that underachieve, and, and I don't want to do that. But at the same time, to find balance to where, you know, the score of the game isn't determining, you know, my health and my well-being and my family relationships. And so, uh, you know, my wife, Shauna, obviously, she's very good at, at helping to keep me in check. Of hey, you know, you're spending a little bit too much time with that, or uh, and so family is so vital to keep a clear mind. Uh, you know, just physically staying active, exercising, nothing like what you're doing, obviously, with your 200-mile run or whatever you did. But, uh, you know, but doing those things that find an outlet to where you can have a, a clear mind, a, a healthy body, a healthy soul. Uh, and so, you know, balance is always in life. Uh, that is a key. And even athletically, as we talk about balance, I mean, some of the most dangerous things, I think, for us are thinking we're better than we are or the other end thinking we're worse than we are. And I think to find that balance of even that mindset can determine, and when we're very self-aware, and I think it's what you're talking about, is how can you stay self-aware? Uh, and I've just gotta continually do that. How am I really actually seeing myself as how I am? Yeah. And so that's really good.
0: That's important. really good. I, I, uh, I didn't give you this question ahead of time, so you'll have to forgive me, but I think there's a, just being a, a sports fan myself, Growing up with a coach, I, I guess I, I just really admire coaches, and I especially like watching ones that win. You know, your Nick Sabins and your Bill Belichick. There's just something very fascinating about their psyche and the way they approach, you know, their work and the intensity level. And I, I think that's interesting in kind of the, the, the Lubbock, you know, kind of sports landscape is you have Chris Beard on, you know, the men's basketball coach at Tech. And it's just like, you know, I don't know him personally, but you can be around him for about two minutes and, you know, just sense his urgency to win. I mean, he just, he wants to win as bad, almost as bad as he wants to breathe. And it, it's pretty obvious just even being around him momentarily or watching him interviews or whatever. And that's great. And something I've, I've noticed about you and, you know, the 20 plus years I watched you is I, I would argue that you have a very similar, you know, urgency and desire to win. But you carry it very different. And this isn't a comparing and contrasting. I think my point is, is I think it's fascinating to learn from people who, who have the same desire. You've had the same desire to win national championships as he does. And he does it a certain way, and you do it a certain way. And I think that um, in Lubbock, it's, it's a unique place to build world-class programs. Um, there are some challenges that don't exist in other metro areas or other parts of the country. Right. So when you think about, you know, the last 10 to 15 years at Love a Christian and building a program um, and you, you know, like give us some insight into how you've tried pursuing eliteness. You know, Mm Bird's always talking about being elite. Well, you're going to you're going to push back on this because you're humble, but like you're an elite coach. Um, You're an elite coach and you've experienced success, you know, at a very high level. And I think it'd be fun just to give people insight into how you've pursued that level of excellence and what that journey and process has kind of been like even in your own mind. Yeah, I think from the,
1: from the outstart when I got the job, never, never looking to be a college women's basketball coach. You know, growing up coaching high school boys, you know, you see the, the Mike Krzyzewskis, mm-hmm. you see you know, the, the men's college coaches to think, man, maybe someday I would do that. And then to have the chance to do it with the college women, uh, a job opportunity. So when I took that job, I thought, you know, this, this is the big time. I mean, the job I'm in is where I wanna be and I'm gonna make this the big time. It doesn't have to be a D1 job or... So from, from that approach of whatever it is we're doing, we gotta give it all of our effort, all of our heart and to have a vision for this, this is gonna be an excellent place. And the way we wanted to do that was find the best players from the best programs that had the best high school coaches. So basically what I've done, I've just tried to find the best high school coaches around and get their players and let them play. I mean, it's not that complicated from what I've had to do. Just find the Joe Lombards, find the Eric Schillings, find the Jill Schneiders, find the, you know, the coaches from this region where team basketball in in girls is so strong and just try to find those players that are used – they used to know what it takes to succeed in competitive situations and put them together and let them play. And so it's honestly not – I haven't done that much. I've just tried to identify the right people to get – Uh, And then, you know, those kids also, and it's strange, the landscape of basketball across the state, across the country, and then the AAUs and all that stuff. You know, we're not real big, uh, you know, AAU recruiting ground people. We want to find high school players. Uh, And even from this part of the state, there's a difference in the way West Texas teams play than metropolitan teams play. And we've seen over the years that some of those kids have a hard time coming from big cities into our setting because our team is not going to function in the way that those teams are used to functioning. Not that that's wrong, but there's so many ways to, to win in right. a game. Right. And one's not right and one's not wrong, but there's a way that we do it and a way other teams do it. And so some of the individual skill development and all that stuff is not that big a deal. We want a kid to learn to play with a team. And so uh, you know that's been some of it, and, and try to get, uh, and just try to then be consistent uh, and make sure people know here's our standards, here's what we're gonna do. And if you wanna be a part of it, we we would love for you to, but if we want people that want to be here. If there's a, a kid that's a, a D1 athlete that we know would fit our system, we're not going to like, oh, they wouldn't want to come here. But we're not yeah. going to try to talk a kid into coming to our school or talking, you know, oh, please, you'll love it. If you want to be here, we want you to come. But if we're not going to have to talk you into it, we're not interested in that. And so it's just it's an environment of the players. Probably the best people to ask that would be our players. They're, They create all the environment, the locker room, the relationships. Uh, Those kids are what make the magic. At what point
0: did you realize that about about the players that that you had a conviction that you this this was the ethos of your program, and I mean, like, did that did you know that early on, or did did you kind of evolve into that?
1: You know, growing up coaching high school boys, it's a totally different world than coaching college women. I mean, just the approach. Now, strategically, I didn't have to change much at all. The way I coached it really didn't have to change, but just the the mindset of how do we approach team, how do we approach, you know, getting ready to play the the preparation, the relation, the team dynamic is so different, and so uh, that did have to change some. And I had to think of all right, now who fits with what? I'm not going to have a player come that the team hasn't already given an approval of. And this took me years to figure out. This is. And again, they really, the, the team figured it out for me over the years. They, I learned to listen better. Really, I learned to, my ideas aren't always very good. And so what can they teach me? What can these girls show me? And the fact that they wanted teammates that they enjoyed and liked off the court is going to make as big a difference as anything in, in, as opposed to what offense we run. Mm-hmm. And so when they learn to live together well, they'll play together well.
0: That's good. That's really good. What uh? What do you go to to learn? Like, do you like to read? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, what what's your kind of go to for personal development?
1: Yeah, you know, recently I guess over the last couple of years, podcasts have become a little more common for me. I do. I like a. Re- I like to book in hand. I like to have a book uh, in my hand to read. A lot of times, I can underline and remember things better. Uh, so, yeah, reading is, is an important part of it. Uh, but listening to things, maybe even while I exercise, is always helpful. Uh, I just know. There's a, there's a fine balance between always learning something and trying to put something new into play when really there's no need to change what you're doing. And so I want to be careful of always adopting the next strategy or the next mm-hmm. fad in, of the game. But, then, but spiritually, mentally, there, you always want to be challenged. You know, Find a, opposing viewpoints or something that you don't necessarily fully agree with, but it's good to think, to, have, to take into account a lot of different opinions uh, and to keep an open mind about things.
0: That's good. What, who's someone or, or what is something that's had a major influence on you? and what are some of the things you've learned from them?
1: You know, uh, you know obviously books. My, my brother-in-law, Dave Langford, he's a minister at, at our congregation and I mean he has two or three doctorates. He's one of those guys that is very uh, down to earth but also just brilliant, and, and the lessons he gives are always very challenging. Looking at scripture and, and some of the things that Jesus, you know what did he? sometimes we think we know what Jesus meant. Sometimes we think we know from Scripture because we've always heard. But so when we step back sometimes and really look and think in the big picture of God's nature, what did this really mean? Uh, you know, Is it consistent with God's nature? Some of the things that I think beliefs we've held in faith or whatever, even in life, uh, of stepping back and taking a different view of things. I, I think his challenging messages have been really good for me and just reading you know like we mentioned a Tim Keller book uh, there's always something you know Max Cato has some some good challenging things uh Simon Sinek I mean that's not even necessarily a christian author sure. but someone who challenges you know about leadership and, and teams and uh just so many different genres of of thought and and writing
0: uh who are your favorite coaches to learn from you know that that's
1: a that's a good one a lot of them have been just uh friends, you know, people that I've, you know, a Joe Lombard, you know, a guy like that who is always learning, always wanting to find something new from a coach that has been coaching half as long as him, you know, those type things. Uh, it's fun to watch, you know, the D1 games you watch and sort of, uh, of learn just by watching strategic things like a Tony Bennett, you know, the Virginia, the way they play, uh, it's fun to watch. Like you say, Chris Beard, it's been neat to watch them, uh, the intensity with which they play and uh, just the whole structure that goes into just a practice for them. Uh, it's some things that we wouldn't or couldn't do. Uh, you know, growing up, always the Mike Krzyzewski was always uh, just a highly, I just appreciate what he's done through the years of changing with the times. I mean, that guy yeah. is just really. Yeah. Uh, I'd
0: grow- love to meet Tony Bennett. that That's one of my mom's favorite coaches and just, man, his level of intensity on the defensive end, which yep. isn't exactly, you know, popular, yeah. you know, when everyone wants to just put up buckets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, again, don't know him from Adam, but just the way he seems to um, live off the court, you yep. know, and just the the character and the conviction that he leads with is, is is pretty cool. It was great to
1: see. I mean, to get a chance to meet and talk with Gino Ariama, who some people, you know, may have a, a bad image of, because, you know, he's bold and he's brash. He's pretty intense. But, but what a tremendously... <clears throat> you know, gracious, good-hearted guy, and just down to earth, easy to talk with. Uh, so, you know, the coach at that level, we got to, with USA Basketball, I got a chance to be around a lot of coaches, uh, foreign coaches, as well as the top coaches here in the United States of, of D1 schools, and there's just so many great people out there, and you just learn there's lots of ways to do it.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, with the amount of success, and I've always been, you know, intrigued by Coach Lombard as well, I mean, you know, he, he could have gone anywhere. I mean, he could have gone anywhere, coached at any level, done whatever he wanted. And I feel, you know, in similar ways about you. So how have you personally, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, how have you personally managed that? I mean, I, I would imagine every year you you get some kind of invitation somewhere, whether it's better or not than LCU is indifferent. But how do you process that? Because in, again, in the 21st century, we're all kind of used to moving on to the next thing. And you've not done that. You've put really deep roots at LCU and it's clearly made an impact. And I'm curious, you know, is that an intentional thing or where that came from?
1: Yeah, I'll usually say, Shauna, what do you think about this? That's <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, I've just, uh, I guess I've never been a real transient thinking person. and not, I don't want to be uh, where I'm so content that I'm not, you hate to use the word ambitious, but you don't want to be uh, complacent and just say, well, this is just easy. Let's just keep doing it. I just want to f- figure a way to keep doing it better where I am because why would I change an environment that I mean there's every positive about it I just don't know if there's any negatives you know in addition to family being here you know you know my son being in college my older boy having graduated from LCU my parents live in five houses down the street from us Uh, you know my sister living a couple blocks away my wife's family all here Uh, coaching can be a very uh, wandering uh, vagabond life if you want it to be and again, there's some people that that's the adventure the, the, and the next opportunity, and that's their personality. So God gifted them that way. I have, I no don't problem. say sure. any there's anything bad with that. For me, I'm, I guess I'm just boring and just want to stay <laughs> in the same place. I, but I love what I'm doing. And uh, those things, you don't just say, oh, I don't want to listen to anything or even consider any opportunities. But at the same time, uh, if there's not a great reason, a calling that is, you know, Sort of an eternal tug at your soul to go do it. Uh, there's a lot of work to do here.
0: That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I think a lot of people wonder that, honestly, and, and so I appreciate you, you talking about that. My last question for you is, you know, if you could speak to the to, to the younger Coach Gomez 20 years ago, knowing what you know now, what 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 would have been a few pieces of advice that you had given, you know, yourself 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, chill out. Just relax a little bit and quit thinking you're. You know, you're getting all this stuff done. It's up to you. You know, it's just, you know, you're so wound up when you start off, and you think you can control everything. And you know, you got to learn just to sort of roll with the changes. Trust, trust the kids. You know, I've got to learn to get the type of players on a team. Now in high school, that may that was a little more difficult. You know, I had to discipline and form and challenge and change some kids. But you know, in the college situation where I am now. I continue to have to learn I've got to trust them. If I can't trust my team, uh, then there's really, it's just going to be miserable. Because we can't control anybody. I cannot control my family. I cannot control, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn to control my own thoughts. You know, I've got to learn to control what's controllable. And so some of that is, hey, step back, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments. And, And again, it comes back to you're not that big a deal. You know, even starting out, you got to realize when you're young, you think, I can do it all. I'm going to change the world. Well, just change, work on changing yourself and let that hopefully permeate to others. And maybe you can have some good influence. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. <clears throat> I've admired you for a long time. So, you know, having having you on the podcast is a real privilege of mine and appreciate you taking time to be here.
1: Certainly. Yeah, your family's great. You've done great things. I appreciate you.